Hello and welcome to SWAT Whoa. Radio with Doug McCary. We're live. Like Taylor, we're on the air. Yeah. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson. If you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you missed us live, you can listen to us via podcast. Um... And, and send your questions to at SWAT Radio Talk on Facebook or Twitter. Anyway, today is Wednesday, the, uh, what's the day, the 10th? It's already the 10th. Man, uh-huh. it's a... It's already the 10th. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we're, it is. We're, all, we're a third of the way through February. Yeah, pretty crazy. Seems like we just hit February, right? No. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we had a, a funny start there. You were trying to get your, your uh, mic set up right and... Got surprised with the start of the program. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, you know, um, it's uh, it's Wednesdays are a little hectic, and uh, it's a SWAT day. We had had thirty four guys this morning out wow. at the beach, a good group out at Woody's Barbecue, and uh, today at lunch we had a good group here at the Salem Center, uh, looking at Acts chapter two. And tomorrow morning, if you live in the Mandarin area or you just want to drive to join us there, we meet at Jumpin' Jack's House of Food at 6.30 a.m. They got great breakfast pizza, uh, and so you can join us there. And then uh, Friday, we meet at the Village Inn down in St. Augustine, and so you're welcome to uh, join us uh, down there. A lot going on. Uh, You know, uh, there was an article today about President biden's cabinet and its diversity uh, and religious identity and um you know he's got pete Buttigieg, mm-hmm. uh, who is the secretary of transportation um it's not you know when when people this is the thing about a lot of his cabinet picks it's not that they're the best people for the job that that that's not what it says when it celebrates who they are mm-hmm. and it announces who they are. But he appointed the first openly gay Senate confirmed member of the president's cabinet. That's how they present that. Yeah. So do you think there's an agenda behind that, Taylor? Uh, yeah. And I think it's also a little disingenuous. Uh, <laughs> they had to add the Senate confirmed to get it to be the first, uh, you know, to make it seem like it's something unprecedented, but it, actually isn't uh, well, well i mean uh, there, there's there was an article written um that said that if all the nominees that he selected are confirmed then the heads of the 15 executive departments of his cabinet and eight other positions will be the most racially and ethnically diverse ever there will be six African-Americans, four Hispanic, three Asian-Americans, and one Native American. Half are women, the most ever nominated for a cabinet. Um, the first openly gay member, we talked about Buttigieg. And that's kind of the opening part of the article there. It doesn't say anything about their accomplishments in their career fields. In fact, one of his cabinet members... Um, 
so messed up out in Seattle that they got swindled mm. out of millions of dollars yeah. for uh, fake claims by Nigerians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the same people that send you, uh, hey, uh, I am your rich uncle and I come from Africa and yeah. I would like to give you millions of dollars. But first, you just have to send me your name yeah. and bank account info. So anyway, I just find that really interesting. So yeah, and you know, like I said, for me, it's like who cares? Uh, it, it should be who who can do the job the best. But then also, you know, it's clearly done for political reasons. Like I said about the um, you know homosexual, like the, the, how they try to build that as the first. But when a Republican administration had done that before, it was mm-hmm. never talked about. The same with the first uh, Supreme Court judge. Uh, I believe was uh, put on the bench by a Republican, so they never talk about it and only talk about, um, uh, you know, the ones that have been put on by Democrats as if, uh, you know, the the gender and race and sexual orientation, uh, uh, what cult, I guess I'll call it, mm-hmm. is, you know, completely uh, brought into its fruition by uh, the Democratic Party when that doesn't really tell the whole story, and it really shouldn't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, how many uh, white evangelical conservative believers do you think are in? And the only reason I bring that out is because this is what the article brought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I mean, it doesn't matter to me whether they're white or black. You can just say, or Hispanic or Asian, you can just say evangelical conservative, but there's zero. Yeah. Zero. And not surprising, you know, uh, I I think people who voted for Biden, um, you know, will be I mean, first off, no president probably would have someone on the other side in their uh, administration like that. Um, But at the same time, uh, people thought that when they voted for Biden, they were going to be voting for some normalcy. But he was just as radical as some of the other uh, Democrat candidates. So it's not a real surprise that he's taken this. Uh, turn towards um you know a far left agenda yeah um i just i just think that you know uh, michael uh, i think it's michael brown wrote an article today um and he basically said you know for all my conservative or for all my progressive liberal friends that uh did not like Donald Trump who voted for Biden, but who call themselves Christians. What did you expect him to do when mm. he got there? Yeah. Um, because he is, he is pulling hard to the left. Mm-hmm. It's not a centered position at all. Um, in fact, people are still asking who's pulling his strings. We don't even know. Uh, it's obvious. I don't know. Did you see the Super Bowl address he mm-hmm. gave? <laughs> yeah. He didn't say a whole lot. Yeah, did he? No. Um, his wife spoke more than he did. I thought that was which, pretty interesting. Wasn't that interesting yeah. that she ended up being the one who gave more of a talk than he did? Um, I mean, if you were just watching that, you would have thought that she was the president. You know, even where she was sitting, she was more centered into the camera and stuff. It was just uh, pretty interesting uh, regardless. But, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think people have a lot of concerns about, you know, Biden just being – uh, put in a corner to sign papers whenever he needs to. But I think we should also remember that uh, maybe even if his cognitive ability hasn't declined, he is a radical, um, you know, Democrat anyway. So it's not like it, it, he needs a lot of a push to 
be doing what the administration has been doing. Yeah. One, one of the problems is, again, a lot of these people that are selected, whether they're selected for this, uh, you can't say. But one thing you can say based upon the way it's announced is they don't stress their academic achievements or their accomplishments in the workplace as much as their identity because we very clearly are in a time of identity politics where that is the narrative that is driven you know i would say it's even more than just identity politics it's a whole culture that is based on that and that is the religion of really america at this point the the america of the founding the america you know that you know we think of as christians that 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 america has long since passed away and what we're seeing now is the fruition of the new america and that it is everything is viewed through the lens of uh you know race gender and sexual identity mm, yeah i i just uh i find it interesting and um another cultural thing happening right now that just came out today it's been going on but you haven't heard about it was mark cuban another mm. Uh, billionaire baby, I call him, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's him or, or the guy who started Facebook or, mm. or Z- Zuckerberg. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. Twitter, you know, uh, these, these billionaire babies, um, who are all globalist mm-hmm. and that is not a good thing. He basically now is refusing to do the national anthem at the NBA games that they had done forever uh-huh. because he says, nah, we're not going to do, he stopped doing it. But now he's come out and just openly said it. And people are like, well, we just go to watch basketball games anyway. Well, we just go to watch football games anyway. That's true. Um, But this has always been part of our country's tradition to say we want to respect our country and our flag uh, and the men who died for it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, since uh, that's started, um, it's been a reminder that, you know, of what binds us together and, and the fact that, uh, you know, Mark Cuban doesn't want to do that anymore, I think is more evidence of what I was talking about, about the culture being, uh, you know, dead as far as the the original American culture and what we're seeing coming up new is, uh, you know, I think he's part of that. Although I did see that the NBA is maybe stymieing that a little bit, but I also think it's 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 a little hypocritical that he is willing to back China and uh, take all that Chinese money, but then to to play the national anthem uh, anthem excuse me is a bridge too far. Yeah, I I I just think again we're going to keep moving further to a secularist mindset. And one other thing, I know we got to go to break, but there was an article written. Did you hear the little girl Amanda Gorman? Um, um, she read a poem at the oh, inauguration. Mm-hmm. She, sh- one lady wrote that she showed us how to pray without invoking God. Wow. So when we come back, I want to pick up on that and talk about that. All right. We will be back with more after the break. So stick with us. You're listening to SWAT radio. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT radio, the toll free number is one 7928 That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. 
SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. That is All My Hope by David Crowder. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we took the first segment of the day, as we do every day, to talk a little bit about the news of the day. And just before the break, um, we were uh, Doug mentioned an article in which uh, a, a Washington Post article, right? Yeah, Kate, Kate Cohen wrote it. And she was talking about that young lady named Amanda. Hold on a second. Amanda Gorman. She read a poem, you know, and Mm -hmm. she said she showed us how a civic ceremony can have prayer without invoking God. And, you know, I I think if nothing else, that conveys the confusion out in the world about what prayer is, who you pray to. As Christians, we know who we pray to. In the world, prayer is something about speaking eloquently to something. Yeah. Uh, but for Christians, uh, it's about being authentic in a conversation with the one true and living God. Uh, there are a lot of prayers people pray, Buddhist prayers, uh, Hindu prayers, but they pray to idols. Um, Islamic prayers, they pray to a false god. The god of Islam is not the god of uh, the Bible. It's not. Yeah. Uh, We don't all worship one God. The God of Israel is the one true living God, the I am, the great I am. And um, to say anything else is blasphemous. It's wrong. It goes against his word. the, The people of Israel learned some very hard lessons when they did that, just to get their bases covered. And, And so this article was just about how this little girl showed us that you know what it's like to pray without invoking God into it or bringing God into it. Well, I think you know, uh, and that's that's further evidence of uh, the cultures. The God of the culture is the self, and you know, to some extent, the government. So it, it wouldn't be a surprise, really, that she uh, intertwines or you know, religious prayer mm-hmm. uh, with that, because that is really uh, when it comes down to it, the God of. Uh, most people's cultures themselves and to some extent the government well for a christian to pray what what is the purpose of your prayer to to talk to god to the one true living god right you are praying and hopefully having a conversation with uh expressing yourself to him and um i i don't know i mean i just think that for her to make this and write this article then you see they're pulling the um, 
Pledge of Allegiance mm-hmm. out of that. They want to take in, you know, the in God part out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, I just think we're we're going to keep going down this road, and so. And the thing that I think, uh, you know, that's kind of an appropriation of you know a Christian uh, uh, idea to talk to God. But I think you're going to see more and more of that of of taking Christian symbols and ideas and detaching them from. Uh, you know, true Christianity. And, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people uh, who aren't solid in their faith are going to fall for that and they're going to find themselves, uh, you know, in a woke church and worshiping the idol of self. There's a lot of woke churches. Explain real quick what woke is one more time for our listeners. Uh, yeah, woke is basically uh, an adherence to the new ideology and the idea that um, you are enlightened beyond what uh, most people are, which is, you know, you're awoke to, uh, the realities, quote unquote, of the world and society. Yeah. Particularly American society. Yeah. You're, you're awoke to the fact that, um, there, you know, (laughs) that we all need to wear masks, that there's systemic (laughs) racism, uh, that has penetrated every realm of our culture. And listen, that's not to say that we don't have issues. I'm not saying that there's not issues. But um, that I, I just think we have allowed narratives to be forced upon us that mm-hmm. we as believers have bought into and feel powerless to do anything about because we've not been people who would stand for truth. We've not been people who would speak the truth out because we're, we've been afraid. And when we do speak the truth, a lot of the places we speak that truth, if we try to do it on social media, we're shut down and minimized. And I was talking to a guy uh, earlier about the whole vaccine program mm-hmm. and how it was on an, uh, it was on the news last night. There was a group of people that took the um, coronavirus vaccine and they had adverse effects. And so people were actually going on to social media and explaining what was happening to them. This was their story. Mm-hmm. And it was taken off. They were told they would be banned if they didn't take it down. And they took it off of Facebook and they took it off of Twitter. Anything negative about the vaccine is not allowed to be put on Twitter or Facebook. Now, why is that? And then you hear one guy, uh, one guy was in a conversation saying that, um, well, you know, uh, I've done my research and everything that I've found is all positive. Well, of course, because all the negative has been squashed. Yeah. And we don't have dialogue anymore. It, it's like suppressed the information. We talked about it yesterday about how there was a concentrated effort to suppress negative information about Joe Biden and mm-hmm. his family and any potential conflicts of interest with China because people wanted him in and there was a concentrated effort to help him. And and people are okay with that. But they wouldn't be okay with that if that had, say, happened back in 2007 and eight when Obama was put in office and people were suppressing information about uh, then-candidate Romney uh, or or McCain, whoever it was, I can't even remember who ran against him back in 08, but whoever it was, if they were suppressing negative information about one side and the other, they would not be okay if it was on the other side. This is why this hypocrisy is so dangerous, because 
it basically leads us to a point where we don't trust anything. Mm -hmm. And we've already eroded trust in our um, government. We've eroded trust in our churches, our leadership. um, And and now even in our own ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. So people don't trust anything. And when people don't trust, guess what? As a society, you become... Um, you tend to become isolated. You become into your own little groups. You never have healthy dialogue about differences of opinion. And that's exactly what has happened in our country. So if you don't think the virus uh, vaccine is a good uh, solution because you have legitimate concerns, you're squelched or you're looked at and demonized or marginalized. If you think masks are a bad idea, you're marginalized. Instead of having conversations that say, hey, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. If you remember, Fauci, when he came back in February, March, said, oh, no, we shouldn't wear masks. Nobody wear masks. Yeah. And now he changed. Mm-hmm. Well, even just uh, last last week, he said, uh, yeah, double max- masking makes complete sense uh, within a week. Then he said, no, it doesn't. And then within a week, he flipped back again and say, oh, well, it does make sense in some instances. So, um, you know, that, that loss of uh, trust in the institutions – I think it goes both ways, and I think that's a, a symptom of a, uh, let's call it a quiet revolution to degrade all the way down so that people don't have trust so that, um, you know, they are more easily susceptible to lies and grafting into, uh, you know, a new cultural revolution. And who is the father of all lies? Satan. So he wants you to speak lies. He wants you to buy into lies. Mm-hmm. And so if we're his, we ought to be promoting the truth. The first truth we promote is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and we promote him. But we also aren't afraid to speak his truth and his word and how that word impacts our life. And so when we see things going on that aren't right, we should be okay to say that or question that. Mm -hmm. We've always had that freedom and that freedom seems to have been eroded by these billionaire babies who control everything. And you know? I think, you know, part of the problem is that the church has been, um, you know, more concerned with being seen as nice or, you know, inviting rather than speaking the truth. And, and when you see that in the church, you, you're obviously going to see that in society at large. And so we have a, a bunch of people who, uh, you know, now don't even know the truth if they wanted to speak it because, you know, they don't. Uh, from a historical standpoint, they, they they don't know the history, but from a biblical standpoint, they don't even know the word. Okay, so yesterday, uh, I showed you a Pentecostal gathering up in mm-hmm. I, I don't even know where it was, Pennsylvania or somewhere. And I want you to describe people what you saw. We watched it. It was a, it went on for like thirty or forty minutes. We only watched about ten minutes of it. But tell people what you saw. I mean, you know, describe it. For yeah, them. yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting. I had never heard of, um, was it Holy Laughter? Yeah. Yeah, I had never heard of that before. So to see it play out was uh, a little bit strange. But um, it basically was a whole group of people uh, laughing hysterically um, in the belief, which was said at the beginning of the video, um, by the lady who was up there, I, I don't remember her name, in the belief that if you start laughing uh, in the flesh, then the spirit will then come on upon you and you'll be laughing in the spirit. And, you know, it it was uh, rather strange. And there was a gentleman who was up on the stage after her. And, he, I mean, he 
yeah, it was it was very strange. And uh, he was emulating speaking in a foreign language, mm-hmm. but there was nobody to interpret. There was nobody there to uh, hear and understand that language. It, did, did that sound like any foreign language you'd ever heard? Uh, and he was going over and over. And again, this comes out of this movement Charles Parham started back in 1900 in Topeka, Kansas, where he claimed that if you have the baptism of the Spirit, you will speak in a foreign language uh, or tongues. And we've been teaching about that this week. We've been in Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church, and we've talked about a supernatural reveal, how God poured out his spirit. He did something that had never been done before, and it was during the time of the feast of um, the harvest. And all these believers, 120 and the 12 apostles, were speaking foreign languages There was this great rushing wind sound that was like a hurricane or a tornado. Tongues of fire appeared, and the disciples, the apostles, and these 120 believers were all speaking in tongues uh, or languages. The people were hearing the great works of God proclaimed in a Gentile tongue that had never been done before. And it was this big supernatural reveal at the birth of the church. This was the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they were also filled with the Spirit at this time. So there was a simultaneous filling and baptism. Baptism is a positional thing. It's a once thing, whereas filling is a multiple thing. It happens multiple times. Paul commands us to be filled in Ephesians 5.18, but... um, You only are baptized once. And when we come back, we're going to finish the review and look at these last two ideas of what did this all mean? Why were they speaking the great works of God in a foreign language? What did it mean to them? All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. Uh, We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, and a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, as well as a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug at SWATradio.com. We'd also like to give a shout out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER. And all of you listening here locally at 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkston, Georgia. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights, my world from a mile high. Best seat in the house tonight. Touchdown in the cold black top. Hold on for the sudden stop. Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Brandon Heath with Give Me Your Eyes. If you are just joining us, we have been talking a little bit about the news of the day in the first uh, uh, two segments of the day, and we are going to be getting into Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. That is the passage that we are looking at. Uh, this week, but if you've missed any of this program or any program from this week and you would like to go back to lit and listen, you can visit www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com, or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. 
Hey, I, I wanted to let everybody know tomorrow we're going to have Dr. Sam Nadler on. Uh, he is a Messianic Jew who uh, r- runs Word of Messiah Ministries. And since um, we're talking about the birth of the church and the beginning of the Messianic age, I thought it would be great to have him on to really help us from a Western mindset understand what would the Jewish people have been thinking when they heard the word Messiah? Because we hear Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ is the English equivalent of the Greek word Christos, which is Messiah in Greek. And so for me and you, we hear Jesus Christ. We don't really know what that means. Mm. I mean, it just means that it's a part of a name like Taylor Johnson. Right. right? But when the Jews heard Messiah, there was a meaning for them, the anointed one. And he's going to talk about that tomorrow. And I I don't think you're going to want to miss that. And uh, he just wrote a book not too long ago called The Israel Factor. And he says, today we're at a time in history that people 100 years ago never would have dreamed of seeing, that uh, God's doing this great work among the Jewish people. Many are coming to faith in Messiah, and uh, they're embracing their identity as Jewish believers, recognizing God's testimony of uh, what he's done over Israel. And it's not been biblically taught really since the first century in a lot of places. So uh, he's... In this book, he talks about what it would look like if if uh, we considered Israel the way God does in Scripture. So he's going to talk about Messiah from that perspective tomorrow. So I hope you'll uh, tune in and and um, listen to that. And if uh, you can't listen live, you can catch the podcast tomorrow night. But I want to get back to this idea of what was going on at the day of Pentecost. We're at the temple the day of Pentecost, which was the second feast, the Feast of the Harvest, God has poured out his spirit on people. He's baptized his believers. They are being empowered to do what Christ called them to do. They're speaking in these languages of all the people from different places, the Parthians, the Medes, the uh, people from Cappadocia, people from Egypt, all over. And this is a very unique transition for God's people. Something very uh, different is happening. In all times past, God's spirit was always relegated to what? I mean, even though God was everywhere, Mm -hmm. his spirit for his people was always witnessed where? In the temple. In the temple before that, the tabernacle, right? Mm -hmm. And now God is moving his spirit from a place to a people. In other words, the temple is inside of his followers. Each person is part of it. So instead of come and see God, it's go and be God out to the world. And that's very significant. This is a transition. And so in Acts chapter uh, 8, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, when people other than those people there on the day of Pentecost receive this truth about Jesus being Messiah— In chapter 8, Samaritans, chapter 10, Gentiles, and chapter 19, followers of John the Baptist, who had not been baptized by the Spirit yet, then the apostles go, and they go and symbolically impart the Holy Spirit to them, because 
who gives the Holy Spirit? God does, right? Mm-hmm. But they went as a sign of apostolic blessing to go and say, hey, when the Spirit came on these people in their presence, what did they do? They started speaking in tongues. We know in chapter 10 and 19, probably in 8 too, it doesn't mention it in 8, but they, the, the Spirit, it does say the Spirit came on them, and Peter says, hey, they did the same things we did. And that's what was going on. They were being authenticated as part of that one body, and that's what made it different. You see, this was the mystery that nobody knew in the Old Testament, that it wasn't just one ethnic group anymore. It's many groups that are one by the Spirit of God. And so we talked about yesterday how Satan tries to counterfeit it, people try to counterfeit it, they use Acts 2 as a basis for talking about um, a, a, a tongue's gift that was not what was demonstrated in Acts chapter 2. Because in Acts chapter 2, these were known languages. This was not just ecstatic speech that was not understood. This was a known language people heard in their language. And so we talked about that. And the response from these people in uh, verses 5 through 13 was, hey, they're drinking uh, wine. They must be drunk. Mm -hmm. But that is a senseless response because drinking and and getting drunk doesn't allow you an ability to speak a language you've never studied. Right. And so the Jews from other parts of the world had never heard God's works proclaimed in a language other than Hebrew and Aramaic. So this was a first for them, and they're going, what's going on? These are Galileans. These are backwoods, uneducated people. What are they doing? And it says they were bewildered. They were amazed. They were perplexed. Why the different languages? Well, you got to go back to the text. What's the point of it? In 1 Corinthians 14, Taylor, uh, why don't you read 1 Corinthians 14, 20, through 25 here the apostle paul is dealing with the whole idea of tongues because in corinth they were abusing this gift that appeared to be on the scene for about 20 to 25 years Uh, again like i said yesterday um it this gift was not written about in the pastoral epistles for paul to the titus or timothy james the book of hebrews or john's letters you don't see it talked about in those letters. It seems, uh, Paul did say, you know, that tongues will cease in 1 Corinthians 13, 8. And so um, this was not a normative part of the early church teachings. It was not part of that. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, when they're abusing it, he points out why they happened in even over in Acts chapter 2. So read verses 20 through 25. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to the, to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says right, the Lord. All right, so stop for a second. It says, in the law, where is that? So the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. The Scriptures. In God's word, he said, I'm going to speak the, what did he say? I'm going to speak what? 
Uh, I'm going to buy people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners. He's going to speak to people in the, in, in a different language. And even then they're not going to listen. And so tongues, the gift of languages is a sign. Uh, it's, it's a sign of judgment because of unbelief and apostasy. He says, even then you're not going to listen. What does he say? You keep reading. Uh, thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter will they not say that you are out of your minds but if all prophecy and but if all prophesy excuse me and an unbeliever or outsider enters he is convicted by all he is called to account by all the secrets of his heart are disclosed and so Falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So here's the deal. I used to think that when people, when, when Paul said that over in 1 Corinthians 14, that when he says sign, the tongues are a sign for unbelievers, that, oh, he's just meaning that some unbeliever is going to hear God's word proclaimed and become a believer. That's not what he's saying there. When he's saying it's a sign, it's a sign of judgment. And let me take you back to the Old Testament. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to have to scoot to get this in before the break. Deuteronomy 28 and read verse 45 through 51. This is Moses speaking to the people of Israel. Okay. Verses what? Twenty uh, Verses 45 to 51. Deuteronomy 28. All these curses shall shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyful and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, whooping down like an eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. Yeah, that that's it. So, so... A nation whose language you don't understand. Now go to Isaiah 28 and and just start with verse 11. Isaiah 28. Actually, we got to go to break. When we come back, you can look at that. But I want to tie it in because this is really important to understand. Tongues are a sign of judgment, not a blessing. It's a sign of judgment. And you're going to read in Isaiah 28 when we come back, and we'll kind of wrap this up. All right, so make sure you stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. 
We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. That is Casting Crowns with Nobody. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21 this week and uh, doing uh, some reading in the Old Testament to help uh, us understand those verses. If you'd like to join the discussion or have any questions about what we've talked about, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That is ask at SWATradio.com. And just before the break, uh, we were looking at Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11, which we did not have a chance to read, so I will read that now. Yeah, 11, 12, and 13. All right. For my people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to his people, to whom he has said, This is rest, give rest to the weary, and this is repose. Yet they would not hear, and the word of the Lord will be to them, uh, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So does that sound like a blessing or a curse? doesn't sound like a blessing, that's yeah. for sure, yeah. And so that's what Paul's referring to. One other verse, Jeremiah five fifteen, And again, all I'm trying to point out here and all the scripture is indicating is that tongues or languages that taking is taking place in Acts chapter two is a sign of judgment on God's people because they have rejected Messiah. They've rejected him. They've rejected his word. So five fifteen. Behold, I am bringing against you a nation from afar, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. It is an enduring nation. It is an ancient nation, a nation whose language you do not know, nor can you understand what they say. Okay, so here's the thing. For, you know, 1,500 years, a couple thousand years, the children of Israel, whenever they worship God, and they go to tabernacle, they go to synagogue, they talk about his mighty works, delivering them out of Egypt. That's If you look in... And even you, you remember when Stephen gives his sermon, we'll see a little later in Acts 6, um, there's 7. When we see that message, he's referencing how God led them out of Egypt. That was considered God's mighty works. That was what spread around the countries, right? Mm-hmm. So when you hear about God's mighty works, it had always been heard in Hebrew and Aramaic. And now, for the first time ever, 
these languages, these Gentile languages are speaking about the one true living God and what he's done. And so this is almost a reversal of Babel because in Babel, languages were, you know, confused, different Mm -hmm. languages and people are confused and they scatter. Now all these people are coming together and they're hearing about the one true living God in all these, whatever the disciples are saying about God, these people, they're saying it in their languages. So Peter might be speaking in Cappadocian and you know, uh, uh, you know, Andrew might be speaking in Phrygian, whatever that is. I mm-hmm. mean, whatever languages they spoke, that's what they're hearing. So all these different languages are going on, and they, they go, wait a minute, these guys are drunk. He goes, no, they're not drunk. Let me tell you what's happened. So Peter then takes them to uh, verses 14 to 21 of Acts 2. He takes them back to Joel chapter 2. It's a direct quote from Joel. And Peter took them to Scripture. Again, this is the second time he's doing this. Who else did that? Jesus. So he's being like his master. He's taking them back to Scripture, and he's reading about the coming of Messiah. That's what that passage in Joel means, the coming of Messiah. This is his introduction to his message he's going to preach, and we're going to talk about next week, Acts 2, 22 to 42. And so verse 21, he finishes right as he gives this initial explanation saying it's not too late because the coming of Messiah, the messianic age, it begins with the Messiah's coming, but it ends with judgment. And so read that text, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 21. All right. But, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy." And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when the sun is turning to darkness and the moon to blood, that's on the day of the Lord. Is that a good day or a bad day? It's a day of judgment, yeah. right? And and he's saying, wait a minute, there's still time. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Peter takes them back to Joel chapter 2, and he's about to give them a gospel presentation, a preach. He's going to preach the first apostolic message as a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's been a follower of Jesus, but he's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit till now. And we're going to see that next week. But the last days, he said, are characterized by what? The gospel. The gospel proclamation that Jesus is Lord. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he's taking them to Scripture saying, listen, guys, what you're seeing 
This is judgment coming. This is a reminder. The, these people speaking in different languages, this is not a blessing. This supernatural event is God's prophesied judgment on you. You've rejected Messiah. Remember 40 days earlier what had happened. They had crucified Jesus. Mm-hmm. They had not just rejected Messiah, they had offered him up to pagans to be crucified. And Peter's about to unload the gospel message on them. But, you know, the gospel ain't the gospel if there's no bad news. If, if you don't think you need a cure, mm-hmm. you're not going to take a cure. Yeah. And so Peter is about to give us some a good modeling of what a good message looks like, a good proclamation, a good expository biblical sermon looks like preaching you know preaching has a very bad connotation for us if your wife says you're preaching to me that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. but it, it never was a bad thing back then preaching was good it means communicating words with passion and urgency and so uh we're gonna see that next week and you know i i just i hope that you can join us tomorrow to listen to Dr. Nadler talk about Messiah, what that means, because Peter's telling them this is the time of Messiah now. This is the coming of Messiah. What you saw when the Spirit came down, the speaking in the tongues, languages, the the tongues of fire, the, the sound, all these is God taking his Spirit from a location uh, in a temple and putting it in the temple of my heart. Mm and his believers, and we're all one in Christ. That's the mystery that the Old Testament people didn't get. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, going back to what you're talking about with tongues, I thought it was interesting going back to the First Corinthians. Um, it, it, unless you got that reference, it could be confusing because he says, thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. But then after that he says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, Will they not say that you are out of your minds? That would seem to contradict unless you understand that tongues is a, a curse. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a sign of judgment. It's not a blessing. It doesn't make you more spirit-empowered to mumble things that somebody else has taught you. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of bad teaching about that. And um, John MacArthur wrote a book. Uh, years ago called charismatic chaos Mm. that eventually got revised and he wrote another book called uh strange fire where he addresses this issue now listen you don't have to agree with him on everything but he writes in there he does good research it's one thing because we live in a culture that if you don't like one thing about somebody you disregard all of it Mm -hmm. you can't do that you know, you, you go through and you weed through. If somebody documents something and they've been able to provide, it's one thing when he offers opinion. It's another thing when he says this is documented and he, and he cites references that you can go and research. Mm-hmm. And so he does a good job of doing that. Just like I said, Charles Parm. Go read about Charles Parm. Read. You don't have to just take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Go do research on him. Um, and see what it says. But always keep in mind, when you read about anybody, you get research. Don't just read Wikipedia. Mm. 
because you don't even know who Wikipedia is. There are people that do research that offer um, research material out there that are academics, that are scholars. And sometimes I like to go, and I sometimes if you read from a Pentecostal uh, research, when they talk about it, if you're discerning, you can see so even some from there. These are the people that believe this stuff. Mm-hmm. They write things, and you go, wait a minute, that's weird. That's not in the Bible. But they're the ones documenting it. So it's not just from an opposing point of view. You can even read people that are pro-tongues basing upon Acts 2. But you see that their arguments are flawed because they don't follow context in Scripture. So, uh, But a lot of strange things have happened. And you saw one of them yesterday when I showed you that video that somebody sent us about laughter in the Spirit. That's not a... That's not even a biblical thing. Yeah, and spiritual barking too. I think was also mentioned. Which yeah, I, that was. You know, it it and you know the the sad part is is that there are people who who buy into that in the hopes of you know uh, getting closer to God and in, in, in the you know I guess really the faulty belief they've been led astray that it that it's all got to be about this emotional feeling and from that emotion outpours you know laughter or tongues or barking. Yeah. Uh, this real crazy stuff and that's what happens you almost once you get away from scripture you open up in scripture in context you open up a pandora's box mm-hmm. hey one more time real quick sam nadler dr sam nadler is going to be our guest tomorrow on swat radio and uh, he is from the messianic ministries there and word of messiah ministries uh you want to join us with that all right so make sure you tune in tomorrow at three o'clock You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. And you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a nice day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual